You're listening to the KCSU Music Podcast. I'm Stephanie Vosca, and last week I had the chance to sit down and talk with the Monster Cat artist Conroe. We got to talk about his music background, how he goes around producing music, and what he thinks about the future of electronic music. So without further ado, here's that conversation. All right, um, so my first question I have for you is, you're uh, one of the very few artists that have like such a really strong music background. Like you played violin when you were uh, little, and then you moved to like piano, guitar. What do you think are some pros or cons for having like such a rich music background? I don't think there's many cons. Um, I think it was it was pretty awesome. Like the beginning stages were never like I didn't want to play violin. Like it was just forced <laughs> upon me. Like my mother's like you got to play an instrument and. I guess she forced my older brothers to play violin, so I just naturally I had to pick one up too. So did that for a long time, and I think how that influenced my music now. And you know, it's just it's just I think uh, like I don't consistently think about the things that I think some people may have to or may not have to. Like music theory and when I'm putting notes together, I think it may come a little bit more naturally just because it's been ingrained in my brain. But you know, I still I mean I'm not a pro by any means at music theory or mastering anything like that but I, I think it's just ingrained into my system at a young age so it helps it helps uh, the music that I create now for sure yeah that's that, yeah that's true I wouldn't think there's really any cons to having uh, such a rich background um, <laughs> but um, so eventually you did move into like a local rock and band scene uh, rock and roll band scene and then you became an electronic producer for DJing how did you make that transition from rock to electronic um, well, first I was actually doing like folk and I did like a recorded a, and a couple albums, just me singing guitar and just kind of like cross between like, I don't know. Anyways, it was kind of like folky singer songwriter stuff. And then slowly kind of wanted to incorporate a band instead of just doing like coffee shops. And then we started playing, I got lots of my friends and my one brother and we started playing rock and roll and we were all doing that, but I was still doing a lot of the writing. So we would sit down, you know, and then, then all these cool artists started popping up like in 2000 nine kind of thing eight when I graduated and then all of a sudden I, my interest kind of started switching and I, I was kind of incorporating some electronic ideas into the band but it was kind of still pushing the way in a way so then I made the tough decision at one point just to say you know what I'm, I'm so interested in this program on my computer that <laughs> I'm not spending enough time writing with the band anymore or for the band so I just kind of said you know I'm going to set this aside and I'm really going to focus on just my own project and I liked having the independence of you know, everything that I say goes with uh, what's on my computer, and it's <laughs> it was a really fun transition. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, speaking of that transition, what um, electronic artists kind of influenced you to start producing it? Oh, I mean, it's such a cliche thing to say, but uh, obviously when Skrillex at the scene, I think everybody was just like, I want to be Skrillex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. Skrillex did kind of jumpstart, I think, the electronic scene more. started so many things, but, uh, you know, with him being kind of the initial boom that, you know, took my attention, I actually started to really fall in love with Zed's earlier stuff, and I still think his new stuff is great, but it's just a little different. But that original sound that he was doing, that aggressive electro, that got me so hooked onto that style. So I think guys like Porter Robinson back in the day too, with like Say My Name and all those really cool right. songs, I was like so infatuated by. And uh, you know, I later found guys like, well no, around the same time, probably like Wolfgang Gartner. And then obviously Dead Mouse. I had one friend who DJed just at home a lot and we would go over and have a couple beers and just, he'd show me all this new music that he's found. And it was just an exciting, exciting time but there's there's multiple I mean 
the artists, but those ones are the ones that kind of stand out. Wolfgang, Porter, Zed, and Skrillex, probably. Yeah. Uh, what do you think are some of your like dream collaborations you would want to work with the artists in the studio and produce a song together? By far, I have like the biggest crush on Gray's production. They're like those guys who do Starving with Haley Steinfeld, and they've done so many big songs. They've helped the production of Candyman on Zed's track with Aloe Bunk, and Gray is just like I think they're probably one of the best producers like with originality and everything that they do I, I want to pick their brain at some of the stuff and how they piece together their work it's so it's so creative and they're drumming and you can tell they're they've got a rich musical background of some sort yeah definitely uh i like how you brought up Candyman. like i remember when that first came out it was kind of a new a new wave for me for electronic music personally yeah um it's, it's a cool vibe and yeah Definitely. Everybody's talking about this crazy sounding songs they came out with, but uh, yeah, it was cool that uh, Gray had a big hand in the production. Yeah. So besides creating your own original singles, you've also made a lot of remixes, like from uh, Mr. Probs and Chainsmokers, and even your remix of Paris Blom's Something About You became like the ultra Miami anthem for 2016. Uh, yeah. What do you think, uh, how did you feel when you heard about that, that it became like the anthem and was this part oh. of the soundtrack? The, the, how that kind of started was they had this Paris Blom track that they were like, why well, they already kind of wanted it for, they kind of already said, or something, I don't know exactly behind the scenes, but then they kind of were talking about like they had this slow-mo video clip and they kind of wanted like a, like a really melodic and then somehow just fell, the stems fell in my hands and they're like, you know, this could be a potential song for Ultra, like, can you remix it? And I was like, yeah, so I put my spin on it and I, I kind of wanted to make it anthony but in my own spin and then and then I send it back and then whoever puts that stuff together just said this is well exactly what we wanted so then they put that in there and then all of a sudden I wasn't even in Miami that last year and I'm sitting on the couch like watching the stream and <laughs> my song comes on at the end of the day every day it's like that's really cool <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um so what do you enjoy more do you enjoy making remixes more or your own like original singles um remixes always have deadlines and i i can't stand that <laughs> i love the opportunity to remix but it, i always feel like when I, I let go of the remix it's like i still could have worked on it for so much longer like there's things that would change or things i could build and develop more to make it a better song but because it's it's usually such a short deadline to write the song it's like guys wake up early go to sleep late i'm working on this track like non-stop originals it's i feel like because i get the time and like and you know if i want to take it this way or i can i can completely break down the track and rewrite it if i want like i like their i like the common collected of writing originals and plus i like stamping my own name on it just it's just a conroe track yeah, um, how do you get started with creating your own single? Oh, good question. <laughs> like, do you start with like a chorus in mind, or do you like just start no, jamming on a keyboard and kind of go from there? I think I think I subliminally listen to music, like you know, in the background, or like I'm not always consciously breaking down and breaking apart music. But how it kind of starts when I build my own is I'm taking these things that are gathered on my daily, like I'm go out for coffee or something. I can hear the music, but it's subliminally taking in things from pop and all these different genres. And then I think when I sit down, I kind of start to try and remember some of those ideas. And then I usually sit down with a piano of some sort and start working on some chords, usually really basic at first, then I'll go back to develop them a little bit more, but usually chords. And then 
I'll straight for the energy of the song. I look for where the highest amount of energy is going to be in the song, and then I focus on that purely, and then I'll work back. But sometimes also, like, it, I guess it just, that's usually how it is when I'm working on no vocals, but if there's vocals, sometimes, no, I usually still work on the drop first. I think it varies, but that's basically how I do it. I'll work on the highest point of energy, and I work back to make sure everything is cohesive. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes, I'll, uh, from artists that I've listened to before, they they usually say to start with the drop first and kind of go from there, which I think is an interesting starting point. Like instead of like the main chorus or just like yeah. the highest point of the song. But I guess I, I, it it just varies though. It varies because like this last song that I did, or the last original song that I did, it was like all we uh, all I focused on was the the vibe of the verses, and then I, I was had no clue where that drop was going to go, but it just took its shape. And I think, I think it turned out incredible in yeah. a different way than it normally happens. So I think it just varies with where your creativity is sitting, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you think your production style has changed from like one of your early songs, like boss to your latest single Chardonnay? Um, well, I think when I wrote boss, well, that was even quite a few years ago too. Yeah. So it just, <laughs> You just grow and you change, and um, the style-wise, I still love that. I've, I've played it out a couple times, even in my sets, just because I'm like, I still love the track, and you know, I love that music and I love that style. But I guess it's, I, I've, I still find the same amount of energy in different music now, and like, I'll focus. Well, I think it's just what, what I listen to now is just so much different than what I listened to then. So I think what comes in comes out, and you know, the trans translation of what happened back then to now i think i was also maybe having a lot more beers on the weekend with friends back then and now it's you know i'm a lot busier with work and i don't think that affects the music so much as i don't know it's kind of hard to say why why that changed i guess that's just the evolution of music it's you know like you get stuck or not stuck but you, you you fall into something that you really love and then you know it develops and grows into something else i feel like the music that I make now is a lot more intricate and, you know, a lot, uh, I can really dive into the production way further than I could in, in doing the older styles. Yeah, just like so much personal growth besides uh, learning how to use the computer system, but also like other influences. Yeah, totally. Um, so for me to try and figure out what I was trying to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back in January, you made a 2016, uh, year end mix. What made you want to create it? Cause personally, I love how there's just these different styled electronic music artists that you have in there from like DJ snake to Odessa and then some monster cat artists like smile and haywire. Yeah. It was just kind of like music that I've had in some playlists and I was like, I should just put this together because I think. I hope maybe other people want to listen to what I'm listening to. And I was like, it's not necessarily what I play out live all the time, but for the most part, yeah, I don't know. It's just music that I just was jamming to. And I was like, I got to put this together and show other people. <laughs> yeah, because personally, I still have it on repeat. It's just like a great thing to listen to when I'm like walking to school or whatever. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So how did you make the transitions to different songs, though? Like, it really seems effortless when I listen to it. Yeah, well, that's the thing, okay, <laughs> like, it is a nightmare in my brain when I try and build a set. Like, I think and rethink, like, I used to be a DJ at a, at a club, and, you know, I was just playing, like, like I was a resident in my hometown here, and uh, I would be uh, 
transitioning between 128 tracks all the time effortlessly. It's like, oh yeah, easy transition, easy transition. Like now, because I'm doing like every single BPM is so different. Like I'm always within 10 BPM mixing, which is way different than what I used to be. So now I'm trying to build my sets with like the whole set is like a song, you know? So it's like you, I'm trying to build energy, keep flow, keep the keys and like all the songs in the right key. It's it's really hectic. I have to just start putting it down, and then then I can start figuring. Oh, it's just it's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm glad it sounds effortlessly, but there's a lot of it's it's a lot of effort of how the order goes, and then it falls. Then I can DJ, but at that beginning of how I want the songs to lay out is a lot of thought, and then but then once once it's all set up together, then it's it's definitely seamless but it's uh it's a little tricky <laughs> yeah I bet um even though I'm, I'm not nearly as like professional of a DJ as you are but uh like when I um sometimes DJ here at KCSU making the playlist itself is sometimes really intimidating like especially if I want to follow like a theme of like future bass or just house music and making yeah. the transitions work is really hard <laughs> yeah I mean, especially when you're bouncing around like exactly what you just said when you go house to go future bass you you know, future bass has really got no BPM stamped, and future bass is such like an open genre. I feel like it's, yeah. it stems. There's no formula. I think that's maybe why I like it so much. But you know, when you want to incorporate all these different vibes, and I'm trying to bring in, or you're trying to bring in dance vibes, and then this and that, it gets it gets really really tricky. But as long as you set up the playlist in the right order, maybe with a couple transition tracks, so you can do that big jump from you know 110 to 150 or whatever you're doing. You know, it, it makes life a little bit easier, but still, still a little tricky to make that vibe right. Yeah. So, like, beginning of last year is when you joined Monster Cat. How did you go about joining their label, or did they find you? They have one guy who works there. His name is Sacha. He does Sacha vibes. He's like kind of repost music on SoundCloud. He, he, and he started working with them. And Monster Cat, I guess I heard this from the backstory, and then I guess Sacha said. Uh, they they asked what are what are some top three guys we should pay attention to or top ten or something like that and I was in that list so nice it popped up on my Twitter feed that Monster Cat is now following me I was like oh they know who I am so I was like well if you got any business brain you're gonna contact them so I just contacted them and uh, sure enough I didn't even know they were based out of Vancouver and I was like hey man I'm your neighbor I'm like <laughs> like let's hang out so I went down to Vancouver and I showed them all my music I've been working on and they're like yeah let's do this. So since then, we've been building kind of plans and started working together and doing some of these shows. And they're growing so fast now, too. It's amazing to see them and to be a part of that team. Yeah, definitely. So, like, was your first single from the Monster Cat label, On My Way Up, like, designed in a specific way to fit the Monster Cat community? Or was it kind of like your own? Uh, I, made, I made that before I even knew that. Uh, oh, really? I'm, I didn't even know. I, those songs were already done before I started uh talking about monster cat those ones i'd just been living out on my a farm at that time and i was hanging out and uh just jamming at home by myself and just wrote some really cool songs at some different tempos than i normally do and i was like i think i'm onto something here and then that sure enough i talked showed some of my management some of this stuff and we didn't know what what way what way to push it or where to go with it and then all of a sudden kind of all really fell together seamlessly again. And I guess that's maybe, it's just meant to be or something. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of Monster Cat, at the end of last year, 
they said they were going to stop making their tw- like best of genre mixes or like best of drum step or house and they were uh, their thought behind it was like titles can be come the focus of like a discussion surrounding a release and kind of overshadow the inspiration of the song or the artist itself. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's kind of what I said previously on the feature based stuff. You know, it's not. It, I think we're kind of slowly walking away from that. There's always going to be these subgenres and stuff like this, but you know, it's going to get to a point I think in the next while where it's kind of like it will go back to just like a title of electronic music or something like that. You know. And it's just to appreciate there's, you know, you can see these battles online be like, it's future based. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's this or this. It's like, what did, does, it, does it even matter? Do you like the song or not? It, I don't think it goes to, to, I think it's just like, yeah, it's about the music. You know, the title isn't, isn't important. Maybe the title of the track is important, but what, what genre it falls into, I, I think you need those subgenres to find kind of like more, uh, better descriptions of what you're trying to find in the music mm-hmm. because it is such a big so i can understand why it's needed but sometimes i wish those it wasn't there because you know even on my comments i'll be like oh this is this and this is this and it's like huh eh, i agree to disagree i mean it doesn't in the end it doesn't really matter too much yeah i agree like it's a good way to identify certain types of music or like certain niches but um it can sometimes be like You'd see like YouTube comment sections. This is so future based, and someone else like, no, that's totally drumstep. But I think it yeah. also can sometimes spark different conversations of what do you define yeah. as drumstep or future based. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's one of those things I'll probably just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I I agree that maybe there will be a time where everything is not like just EDM or dance. It's just going to be all electronic again. Yeah, and it's just the definition. There's so many musicians now who. Like myself, I'm trying to do a lot of incorporating live live instruments and, you know, it's this cross between and you can kind of see it moving a little bit, but, you know, can't say exactly where it's going to go, but electronic music, there will be electronic music till I die anyways and <laughs> running through the radio or, or aspect of that, it's kind of music moves quite uh, alongside technology. So wherever technology kind of keeps moving and allowing us to dive in and get creative, and I think we'll see that continue to grow. Yeah, definitely. So kind of reaching far out now, where do you think you see yourself in five years with producing music? Do you think you'll change maybe subgenre ideas or do you see yourself maybe doing like full on tours by yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for the next while we're, I'm really focusing on, you know, I've, I've wrote a lot of songs. I've got a ton of music coming out this year. I want to see how that relates to listeners and so my head is really focused on this year, and we've got lots of shows that we're planning and lots of fun stuff that's going to happen this year. Years beyond that, when it comes to music, well, it's all about the music for me. You know, if if I break my back and I can't tour, that's not the end of the world for me. I just want to be able to write music and, you know, be able to sit down and collaborate with other people who are just really passionate about, you know, bringing the world some cool music. And I think there's a lot of artists out there you know, who haven't been heard and who are heard already that I would love to work with. And, you know, whether that's shaping pop music for future generations or or whatever that is, I just want to be able to have a big name in the industry of just writing, whether it's Conroe on the front or Conroe in the back. Nobody even knows who did it. Like, I just want to be a part of music. But for right now, we've got so much cool stuff going on tour and in the fall possibly and lots of shows going to Tomorrowland and right now that schedule is really really big and lots of cool music to come so 
I can't foresee it. I just know that I want to do music till I die. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, let's talk about Tomorrowland. Like that's uh, it'll be Monster Cat's first time that they have a stage there, and then yes. you and like Pegboard Nerds and a few others are going to be there. How exciting is that? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it still kind of hasn't really sunk in because you know I've I've been following electronic music probably since probably since 2008, like religiously. I, I just want to be a part of the scene. So it's been like almost 10 years that I've you know followed artists and and really dove into it and finding out which festivals are cool and ultra Miami and, and EDC and all these cool places. And then that one big one is Tomorrowland. You yeah. Know, Belgium. You got to cross the sea to get there. And this is beautiful, big festival. And I'm like, whoa, someday, you know, we'll make it happen. And then this year just kind of, yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just said, you get a cool, cool slot up at the Monster Cat stage at some, Tomorrowland Festival, and I was just like, holy crap, that is really, really cool, and I'm very fortunate. Yeah, and then um, later this week, you're actually performing in Miami, too, which is really exciting, I bet, for you. Yeah, we got a couple of shows there, so I'm playing one with OK and Gasly, and then I'm doing, um, I think it's like a spooky-themed night, but one, I'm not sure which venue it is, and then doing one with Monster Cat, uh, as with... Uh, Things like San Holo. Oh, I, I'm good friends with the guys. Uh, Drulu. We did a collab together. I think everybody calls him like Drolo or. Yeah, Dr- yeah, I say Drolo too. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a Dutch word for getting loose. So okay. a little tidbit of information. Fun facts. But uh, Drulu, those, and I'm really excited to hang out with those guys again. I got to hang out with them at ADE, and we actually made a song together. It's super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what do you think is a piece of advice you could tell your younger self? If you were able to go back in time and tell yourself when you just started producing electronic music, what would you tell yourself? Be patient and take advantage of the opportunity at the beginning when, you know, at the beginning, I got my first release and nobody ever told me that, you know, one song does it or or two songs you should like just keep momentum going always keep pushing always keep asking always finding new contacts i think at the beginning i, I sat back a little bit after i got my first song it actually got did really well when i was doing electro house and you know there's guys like knife party porter robinson wolfgang all the big names that i ever dreamed of were all playing the song and i kind of thought like this was you know big breakthrough but because i didn't have follow-ups or anything to come my backwards and nobody tell me you gotta grind keep going that, uh, you know, I kind of got distracted, but I would just say, take advantage of those opportunities of people playing your songs, take advantage of, you know, any contacts, anybody gets, reaches out to say remixes, now they're part of your contact list and start building your network and, you know, cause it's all valuable and make sure you keep a big smile on your face because nobody wants to work with the grump. Yeah. Well, um, those are all the questions I had. Thank you so much for just like spending time to sit down and talk about music. It's great. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. You, uh, I'm curious to ask me thoughts in my little brain. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting. Every artist has their own way of going about in the electronic world. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear another interview I did with an electronic artist, Pegboard Nerds, check it out on the KCSU Music Podcast on iTunes. For more content, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud.